Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Some California counties are seeing upticks in new coronavirus cases, including Santa Clara County here in the Bay Area. At the same time, shelter-in-place orders are loosening up, more businesses are opening up, and there's more people, including protesters, on the streets. You know, when we were just standing around, there was a lot of distance, but when we started walking and marching, it was, you know, it's hard not to be around all these people. The state wants to train 20,000 contact tracers whose job will be to track and prevent the spread of COVID-19. And their work is gonna be more crucial than ever as more and more people leave their homes. I'm Devin Kadiyama. welcome to The Bay. I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Lisa Fagundis is a librarian in the San Francisco Public Library System. She works in the main library uh, near Civic Center BART Station on the main floor. April Domboski is a health correspondent for KQED. When you walk into the library and you go to the information desk, Lisa is there to answer your questions. I like seeing the different kinds of people and helping them out in a very basic way. Like if someone comes in with like a medical issue, we say go to the sixth floor, you know, or the fourth floor. And we just kind of help direct them. Lisa meets a whole variety of people. Every type of person, you know, will come through and she interacts with them. So on the day to day, I mean, before the shelter in place orders, she was very much in contact with people. Very much in contact with people. We have come to understand that librarians often serve as de facto social workers. You know, there's a lot of folks who come into the library who are homeless, who are mentally ill, who 
you know, need a lot more help than just finding a book. And, you know, our librarians have become a kind of frontline workforce for helping people. The San Francisco Public Library closed in the middle of March when the city announced its shelter-in-place order. But as it turns out, Lisa's job as a librarian made her a perfect candidate for another really crucial job right now. So like a lot of us, Lisa has been sheltering in place, staying at home since, you know, the middle of March. And she's actually since then become a contact tracer. And I asked her if she would mind, you know, keeping an audio an audio diary for me. And in true librarian fashion, she has sent me an audio file after every single shift. Hello, it's Lisa Vagundis. It's um, June 10th. I was talking to a cluster of friends who had gone on a hike and one of them tested positive. So they were all young and like totally chill with the whole process and the whole concept. Contact tracers are a really critical piece of containing the spread of the virus. The mantra that we've been hearing a lot is test, trace, isolate. And so you need those three things to really help stop people from giving the virus to each other, especially in these times when we don't we don't have a vaccine. So you need to test people in order to understand who's infected. And then once you know who's infected, you need to find out who they were in contact with before they realized that they were infected. Because something that we've learned about this virus is that you can be transmitting the virus before you feel any symptoms. Right, the asymptomatic. The asymptomatic or the pre-symptomatic. And so that's where contact tracing becomes really important. So once somebody tests positive, then you say, okay, the folks that you've been in contact with for the last three to five days the last week may have become infected from being in contact with you. So we need to get in touch with them right away to, first of all, let them know, let them know that they can get tested, and then also to ask them to stay home, to isolate themselves, because now that they may be infected, they may be pre-symptomatic or asymptomatic. And so we don't want them going about their normal lives, potentially infecting other people. Yeah, this is Lisa Fagundis. It's May 23rd. I just finished my contacting shift. Um, did get a couple people, including a woman I called who was actually out running errands, and I had to be like, go home. You've been exposed. Quarantine yourself. And she was also the first person I've had who was, like, reluctant to not go to work. So I had to try to be, like, I'm not trying to be pushy, you know, I'm trying to be kind of like, yeah, I understand, but... Even though you don't feel sick, you still, this virus could be hiding in you and we don't want to get other people sick, so. How do health officials think about who should be notified if somebody tests positive? It's someone that you've been in close proximity with, less than six feet, for more than 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, passing by somebody on the sidewalk while you're out for a walk, that's that's not a contact. Oh, that's interesting. Even, you know, being in the grocery store, right, you know, right. paying for your groceries, that's two or three minutes. That actually doesn't count as a contact. Right, right. Because I was wondering, I was thinking like that must be just an incredible task to have to go and trace where everybody's been. Well, so the reason it's less of a task right now is because we've all been sheltering in place. And so, you know, the if you've become infected, that person has an average number of four or five contacts because 
the only person they're in touch with is usually mm -hmm. the people they live got with. It, so, for it. example, for me, the only contact that I've had for the last two months is my husband. And I live with him. And so that's a I would be a relatively easy you know, job for a contact tracer. Now, what it gets, you know, more complicated if you have, you know, a broader extended family or if you're an essential worker and you've been at work. And so if right now the average contacts that a person has is four or five, you know, once we start reopening and going back to work and, you know, socializing, doing more things outside our home, it, it, it multiplies to about 40 on average. And so that's just multitudes higher. That's so many more people that you have to call. And that's why you need so many more contact tracers to make those calls. The state wants to train 20,000 more contact tracers to track COVID-19. Each county is responsible for coming up with their own plan for how to do this. But a program led by UC San Francisco is responsible for training across the state. Are there a lot of librarians becoming contact tracers right now? In San Francisco, it's I would say, you know, between two and three dozen librarians have trained to become contact tracers. But, you know, city and county of San Francisco is also looking to other city and county employees whose offices have been closed down. And, you know, maybe their regular jobs are they don't have as much work. So they've oh, also been talking to people in the tax assessor's office or the city attorney's office. Other states are actually asking airline reservationists to do this work. And what they all have in common is an ability to talk to people or they have good customer service. It's similar to like library. We do reference interviews. So it's very like non-judgmental interviewing and non-aggressive, like a lot of open-ended questions um, of trying to get people to feel that you're listening to them um, and not trying to like take advantage or like put your own viewpoint on a on their story. They go through a list of symptoms of COVID-19 and, and, and go through them just to see if, if the person is experiencing any of them. And then they're also going to ask them about, you know, their their pre-existing health conditions, if they have diabetes, if they have kidney failure, because those are two um, really high risk factors for becoming really sick from COVID-19. And so they're, they're collecting this information so they can just make sure that people have all the resources they need to be taken care of and, and be well. This is Lisa Vigandis. It's um, Monday, June 8th. I decided to call a teenager back. But it sucks because he lives at home with his family and every other person in his family has COVID except for him. So, you know, we had to try to get him to get a test and get someone to drive him. The contact tracers are not calling and saying, hey, we need you to get treated. They're calling and saying, hey, you have this disease that for a lot of people has, has been deadly and we don't have a treatment for it. So we need you to get tested, but then the treatment is that you stay home for two weeks and isolate yourself. And it's a way of protecting the community. And we can offer you help with, you know, getting groceries, getting your medication delivered, uh, just all these kinds of supports to help people do that. So they actually do offer other benefits other than just kind of tracing where the virus might be coming from, where it might be going, and then, you know, letting them know, hey, you need to isolate. Absolutely. I mean, this is sort of a, a classic pitfall in healthcare. You know, there would be these massive efforts at diagnosing people. So, for example, offering women free mammograms. Well, 
you know, if a mammogram showed something, then you had a lot of women who had no access to care to actually do anything about it, especially in San Francisco. You know, public health officials do not want to make that mistake. So if someone's calling and saying you need to stay home for two weeks, then they need to have an answer to questions like, well, how am I going to get food if I can't go to the grocery store or you know, I take regular medications. How how am I going to get those? The conversations between contact tracers and people sick with COVID-19 are voluntary, which is why April says trust is a major factor when contact tracers like Lisa call people up. Another thing that's important, especially here in the Bay Area, is having people who can speak different languages. The Latino community has been disproportionately affected. These are complicated topics, medical terminology, and you want to talk to people in the language that they feel most comfortable. Monday, May 18th, um, today was a really smooth one. I had to use the translator for all of my calls, um, and but it worked really well. I didn't end up hanging up on anybody on accident, and everybody was really polite, and the conversations took a long time, but... They were fruitful. Lisa had been training to be a contact tracer since before all the protests. And then police killed George Floyd and masses of people are out on the streets. Has this changed any of her work? So the short answer is not yet. Infectious disease experts definitely expect there to be some spread of the pandemic as a result of the protests. Now, the question is how much? In California, at a lot of protests, people have really been wearing masks. And so doctors think that is that is really going to cut down on how much the virus can spread. What we are not seeing is social distancing. I mean, people are definitely crowding together. They're shouting and chanting. When we started walking and marching, it was, you know, it's hard not to be around all these people. So everywhere you look, there's people and people are yelling and chanting and, again, wearing masks, but still, I don't know, I felt like it was important to put myself out there. And we know that singing, for example, uh, really helps spread the virus. And so, you know, shouting and chanting is really similar. So if people are wearing masks, it's definitely going to help. But, you know, doctors are absolutely expecting there to be some spread of infection. We're doing this to try and protect society as a whole. We're trying to protect your grandmother or grandfather from dying. You know, that's what we're trying to do here. George Rutherford is an infectious disease specialist. He's been around for a long time. He was contact tracing back in the days of HIV in the 80s. Um, And now he is leading up, you know, this training of 20,000 contact tracers in, in California. The fact that people are outdoors, that's good. The fact that they're wearing, mostly wearing masks, at least here in the West, That's good. He was really heartened by the fact that so many people were wearing masks. And he was explaining to me that if you yourself are sick and you wear a mask, then that actually cuts down on transmission of the virus to other people by 90 percent. Oh, that's a lot. A lot. If you are not sick, but you are on the receiving end of somebody else who's infected, but you're wearing a mask, that cuts down less, but more like 30 percent. So the CDC has recommended that anyone who has been to a protest should get tested. And, you know, for the test to be most accurate, it's usually about seven, seven days after. What's more important is to get tested, I think, and that way we'll actually find people who are infected 
rather than having, you know, hundreds of thousands of people self-quarantining on the, on the chance that they may have been exposed and may, be, uh, may become infected. We know a lot more about the virus than we did a month ago or a couple months ago, but there's still a lot that we're learning. And in some ways, the protest is something of another human experiment to see what how the virus behaves. You know, there is the expectation that, you know, as we start to venture out, that virus cases are, are going to go up. Right. And so the question is, how much will we be able to control it and contain it? How much will it go up? And so you have this sense now for contact tracers sort of essentially needing to be on call. Lisa knows that she's doing this through June. Um, it could be through the rest of the year. And, you know, county officials are just going to be constantly watching what's happening with the virus numbers and what's happening with other needs in the county government, you know, balancing all those things in, in deciding where to put their resources. Um, I got my test results yesterday, so I'm negative um, for COVID-19. So, um, and I told all my friends to get tested and it sounds like a lot of people are doing that now. Um, all right, that's what I got today. Good night. Lisa doesn't know how long she's going to be part of this massive contact tracing workforce. But between protests and businesses opening up, and still the absence of a vaccine, there's no doubt that people like her will have more work to do in the coming months. April Domboski is a health correspondent for KQED. This episode was produced by Marisol Medina Cadena and Erica Cruz Guevara. Our editor is Alan Montecilio. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it from the Bay. We'll talk to you next time. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S.